Bonfire Press and Studio Erbo present Chronicles of the Essence God, Children of the Essence, by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino, read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 5. The Green Eye Sees All. Andres watched the stones roll up the hill, his eyes entranced upon the granite dance that was happening before him. As they rolled along, the man followed behind, as though hypnotized, a slight smile forming over his features. That smile was quickly replaced with an open mouth and an exclamation of surprise as Celeste scooped the stones up and tossed them back into her path. Hey, why did you do that? He called out as the woman began to make her way down the street, away from where the rocks had been headed. That is exactly the opposite direction we should be heading. Ignoring him, she continued marching down the street, taking in the signs so she could find some place to get some information about the area. The streets seemed quiet, though not in any sort of a haunted way. It was obvious people were in their homes working away or enjoying themselves. A man drove by on a bicycle, waved his cap to the woman, and continued on his way, smiling. She began to follow him hoping that he was headed somewhere with more people, and maybe, just maybe, one of them spoke English. I'm talking to you, Celeste, Andre said as he jogged to catch up. The young woman barely paid him any attention. Yeah, I know, it's a nice change from when you brought us here without talking to me about it. The Argentinian dashed ahead of her and stopped directly in her path. Look, you're right, I'm sorry. It wasn't okay for me to force this trip and keep you from your mother. I... Just really had to make this happen, and I knew that your mother would only complicate matters. It wasn't right, but I need this. His posture slumped some as he stared down at the stone street. A long sigh emitted from Celeste as she stepped forward to look up into Andres' enchanting eyes. That feels like the first time you've been honest with me since we left the temple. You've become so uncharacteristically pushy about getting here, and I just don't understand why. She offered him a meek smile and a rare display of the same doe eyes she had planned on using to snag some extra cookies earlier that day, had she not made this trip. What changed? Andres beckoned for her to follow as he led the way down the street. We might as well walk while I explain myself. I haven't been completely honest about things from the beginning. Celeste was a little surprised by this, but attempted to keep herself from showing it. He continued. I haven't seen my abuela island in quite some time, nor have I heard from him. I suspected that the cult was involved, so I brought you in to help. Obviously, I want to learn more about the essence too, but this is about family. I'm sure you can understand that. She could hear the pleading in his tone. It wasn't purposeful, but it was there. She knew deep in her heart that if her mother or father had gone missing, she would have done the same. Yeah, I can understand that. What I don't get, though, is why you weren't straight with me from the beginning. My mother knows people who could have helped. We could have tracked him down for you way easier than... She looked around and waved her arms in the air while chuckling slightly. Well, then jumping from country to country, searching for clues. Cocking his head to the side, Andres turned and offered her a smile. You think? Your family has been out of things for decades now. They've cut their ties with anyone that could help. No... This was too important to hope they could help. I truly believe you and I can manage this. The further along they walked, the closer they found themselves to an open market. 
not too unlike the one Celeste had fled from earlier that day, though not near as bustling. The two stopped at the edge of the square, watching as citizens wandered around from stall to stall. Silence fell over the two. It was the first comfortable pause their relationship had withstood. Though she now more understood Andres' motives, the fact he had lied to her had changed the dynamic of their relationship in her mind. Being raised by parents who had been so open with her, had even exposed her to as much of the truths behind the essence as they would see fit, it was hard for her to understand why anyone would hold the truth back, especially over something like this. She forgot about the lies, though, let them drift away and focused on the present. He had apologized, and she needed to trust that he meant it. Andres was enjoying the silence. It was nice not to have the young woman focusing her anger on him as much as he deserved. His smile increased the longer he observed the market. It reminded him of much of his home. Breathing in long and slow, he let that feeling slip away. He could worry about his home another time, because at the moment, there were much more important things to worry about. He turned back to Celeste, noticing immediately that she was regarding the small cluster of people with an inquisitive smile. Let me guess, he commented with his usual charm. You're wishing you had more time to spend here. Her only reaction was a quirky smile. Not even close. I was wondering if they handle school differently here. Andres' eyes narrowed, and he turned his attention completely to her. School? Why would that matter? He asked, his confusion obvious in his tone. Rolling her eyes as she pointed with her thumb to the market. I haven't seen a single child here. Not a baby, an infant, nothing. Have you? Come to think of it, he hadn't though it also hadn't seemed odd until she mentioned it. Feeling as though he hadn't been working near as hard as his partner in surveying the area, Andres looked around and began to make his way through the market, going from stall to stall to find just one child. Celeste wandered as well, making sure she knew Andres was nearby while still looking for any sort of clues that could explain this rather strange detail. A doll caught her attention from a nearby stand. It stood out from all the rest of the porcelain-faced creations because of its light brown skin. Picking it up gently, Celeste regarded it as a fresh wave of nostalgia washed over her. She had grown up with quite a collection of dolls and stuffed animals, and her parents had never shied away from choosing a myriad of dolls so their daughter would understand how diverse the world they lived in was. The proprietor, a stout, strong-looking woman, who was almost certainly someone's grandmother, approached and began speaking, though Celeste couldn't understand a word. Sorry, can you speak English? The woman smiled and held her thumb and pointer finger close together. Celeste understood perfectly. She then held up the doll and asked, Where are the children? The woman pointed off further into the town. School, she said with a heavy accent, one that forced Celeste to consider the syllables before finally recognizing what she meant. Celeste tried something else. Do you know a man named Demos? The woman shook her head immediately and went back to her work. Celeste smiled appreciatively, replaced the doll, and continued through the market. When Andres and Celeste reconnected back where they had started on the edge of the market and compared results, both had been told that the children were in school and no one knew anything of the man known as Demos. It doesn't explain the babies and the infants, Celeste remarked more than a little annoyed at the mystery of it all. Her companion waved it aside and shook his head. 
We are not here for this town and its mysteries, Miyamor. We are here to find Demos, the Green Eye, and see what he wants with me, and if he knows anything about the disappearance of my grandfather. He nodded his head towards her pack. Perhaps we should follow the rocks after all. They are our best clue. Celeste dropped her shoulders in defeat, nodded, and started back from where they had come. Andres, noticing the change in her mood, caught up and put a comforting hand on her shoulder. Look, you were rightfully angry at me, and you made a decision, a good one, to get more information. So it turns out that whoever this guy is, he probably keeps to himself, which would make sense. So the best bet now is to follow the essence, the real reason why we're here. It should help us find our answers. Celeste nodded as she continued to walk. Spotting where they had discovered the strangeness that had now brought them back, she tossed a few of the small amber stones onto the ground. As before, they shook and immediately started rolling up the hill. Andres grinned and watched the rocks closely, as though they were everything. Celeste, on the other hand, took in the sights as they continued their stroll, especially since someone would need to know the way back. Several times, the rocks would roll off the road, which forced Andres to pick them up and continue until they could make the appropriate turn down a different lane. He would let them loose again and watch them until they required more of his time. Celeste inwardly laughed to herself, likening this to the two of them walking dogs. Hadn't her mom mentioned something about pet rocks being a thing when Flo had been a little girl? If only she'd been able to see this. Soon, the rocks were heading straight down a dirt path that seemed to lead outside of the town. Celeste walked over to one of the stones and knocked it further down the road with her stick. Andres looked up, surprised. I don't know how long this is going to take, but there's no reason we have to watch rocks roll forever. Realizing he had gotten caught up in observing the stones, he agreed, picked up the other rocks and followed along. It was less than a minute before the two found themselves at an old chain-link fence with a closed gate. There were weathered signs all over it that if either of them could read Greek would have been very helpful. There were some symbols, though, that seemed to spell out that beyond the gates there were dangers, some of which were falling rocks and possible cave-ins. Celeste opened the gate as though she hadn't noticed and proceeded to follow the stone as it rolled under the chain fence. You would think they would at least have locked the gate, Andres observed. Celeste chuckled. No kids means no worrying about anyone doing anything stupid. She closed the gate as her partner followed the stone into the open area that housed a large, run-down building that looked like an old warehouse or factory of sorts. It had a large steel door that had been chained and locked shut. Moving along, they found themselves in a quarry that looked to house the opening to a mine down at the bottom. Andres scooped up the stone and slipped it into his pocket. It looks like that's where we're heading. Celeste nodded her agreement and started to make her way towards the winding pathway that would lead them down the slick slope towards the mine shaft. Actually, it would be best if you stopped altogether. A low, rumbling voice stated from behind them. The two whipped around, both prepared for a fight, Andres with fists at the ready and Celeste gripping the staff like her favorite ninja turtle. The two immediately saw three men standing before them all dressed in what they assumed were police officer uniforms. None of them had guns, though they had batons strapped to their belts. Who? Andres started before being immediately interrupted by the large gentleman in the center, sporting a shaved head and high-end sunglasses. No. I talk. You listen. 
You can leave right now, and there will be no problems. His accent was harsh, but his words and tone were harsher. Celeste found herself frozen. Being bold in the moment, or when it meant standing up to Andres, was simple. But when it came to the police, she found herself completely obedient. Her partner was not equally as conditioned by the blue of their uniforms. Celeste turned around at the sound of what sounded like a small rock slide of sorts. Instead, she found herself watching Andres skid his way down the edges of the quarry, his feet pushing back as much as he could so he didn't tumble to his death. The officers barked for them to stop, but the young woman could find no better alternative. She quickly found herself following behind Andres, sliding down the quarry wall, using the walking stick to keep her balance whenever she found herself shifting dangerously. Never once did she bother to check if anyone was following her. The young woman's eyes stared at her feet to make sure she didn't trip or fall. As soon as the two would hit the winding path, they would dash across it and slide down the next section of the cliff. When they finally made it to the lowest level, she found Andres already dashing towards the mine shaft. She took a quick glance up to see one of the guards sliding down the wall after them, while the remaining two were slowly making their way down the meandering pathway. That was the last time she bothered to look behind her as she followed her friend into the mine. The two were surprised to find electric lighting all the way down the shaft. Celeste could remember seeing cables entering the cave from above, but had assumed that they were from generators that weren't turned on, as she hadn't heard the loud noises that would accompany such machinery. They soon found themselves at a fork. Andre stopped and shot Celeste a look. She quickly pointed to the left and kept running. If we keep to the left the entire time, it will be easier to remember the way back, she explained as she kept jogging through the tunnel. As the tunnel began to expand, Celeste slowed down and soon stopped altogether, signaling for her partner to follow suit. She pointed to her ears and then down the tunnel. Andres paid attention and soon both of them heard the sound of laughter. When the two approached and peered from the shaft, they saw a group of ten or more children playing soccer with goalposts made from shovels stabbed into the ground. They were excitedly kicking the ball back and forth, trying to find an opening. Celeste found herself smiling broadly as she watched the game. Andres whispered in her ear, There are no parents, nor guards anywhere. The children don't seem malnourished or mistreated, but why keep them down here when they could be playing in the sun with their families? She shook her head, unable to find a good answer. Do you think asking them would help? He scoffed. I'm at a loss. I do not know what to do, but if we do not do something soon, those men will catch up to us. Nodding, the woman slowly made her way out of the tunnel and into the makeshift arena. She kept her one hand raised as the other gripped the walking stick. Excuse me, she started, trying to get their attention. The children stopped as they noticed her save for one who scooped up the ball with his left foot and began dribbling it across the expanse. The goalie attempted to wave at the child and point at Celeste, and now Andres, who had entered with his hands in the air. The child paid no attention and took his shot, firing the ball into the net. He immediately whooped and looked back to see none of his teammates paying attention to his victory. The goalkeeper walked up to him, patted him on the shoulder, and pointed to Celeste and Andres. They now had everyone's attention. We mean no harm. We're here looking for someone. Are you kids okay? Celeste asked, scanning the faces for at least one who understood her. 
I don't think they know English, Mimul, and I think it just as likely that they would understand Spanish. Celeste sighed, deflated. Every turn they took since the moment she left San Francisco the first time had led them to another dead end. At least the children didn't seem scared, but not being able to understand one another was almost just as bad. We are looking for a man called Demos Kalis, Andres said, while Celeste inwardly debated over how to proceed. Do you know him? Demos? The children immediately became excited once more, running up to the two and hugging them. As they did so, they excitedly spoke, though the only word Celeste could understand was Demos, which was repeatedly an awful lot. The group began to lead the two out of their play space and down one of the corridors. As much as the tunnels all looked the same, the children had no problem moving from one turn to another as they continued to chatter at, push, pull, and generally accost the two. Soon, they found themselves in a wide open area with long tables that looked like they could feed at least 50 to 100 people. At the far end stood the man from the picture, as though he had expected them, dressed in a familiar green robe. He was standing at the end of the largest of the tables on the other side of the room from them. He smiled warmly at the group and began to slowly make his way over to them. He looked fit, though his gray hair and worn features told the two that he was probably in his fifties. His demeanor was calm as he approached and stopped some ten feet away from the two. You must be Celeste and Andres, he said warmly, with hardly the hint of an accent. Celeste stared at him, mouth agape. How? she asked before Andres interrupted her. It is the same reason why the police knew to speak to us in English. The townspeople told them everything. They understood us, even when they pretended not to. He stared hard at Demos, as though trying to memorize his features. Demos never stopped smiling. We are a family, my friends, in a way that neither of you could fully understand. They only sought to keep their loved ones and our secrets safe, just as you seek to keep your secrets safe as well. He spoke a short phrase in Greek, and one of the children quickly snatched the walking stick from Celeste's hand and began to pass it through the group towards the front like a concert-goer in a mosh pit. The child in front dashed to Demos's side and handed him the staff. Andres and Celeste attempted to follow, only to find themselves walled in by children. The wizened man stared at the staff for a long, silent moment. Raising his green eyepiece, he looked to Celeste and Andres his eye twitching every few seconds as he did so. You will find little remains secret from me for long, my friends. Theme music by Carol Cockrell. 